This isn't just a review. We're going beyond that. I'm Dallin. And I'm Kyler. And we're here to talk about the moments, magic, and memories that we love in film. There's a lot to hate, but if you look a little deeper, there's so much more to love. We hope we can pass that on to you. Kyler, mm-hmm. the two of us aren't really like that into sports. I nope. would say not too much. Like we, we sure we probably watch like the Super Bowl. I know there are hoops in games. There, there's points. There's usually a ball, mm-hmm. and most of the time there are players on the teams. Yes, most of the time. But I, I don't. I couldn't guarantee that. <laughs> but interestingly enough, we actually uh, yesterday, as of recording this, the two of us went. Well, the two of us with uh, Jess and Allie uh, went to go see a soccer game. Yep. Jess had free tickets, so we were like, why not? And it was, like, really fun. It was. It was really entertaining. And, like, I wasn't that worried because I have a history of, like, I was in marching band. And when you're in marching band, you're kind of, like, obligated to also be the pet band. Yeah. And so we were at every single football game and I think most of the basketball games. And so I had a decent amount of experience of just, like, watching sports games. Yeah. But those ones I was usually, like, focusing more on, like, playing the drums than yeah. actually watching what was going on. But, like, even though I don't really care that much about sports, like, I'm not invested in any of the teams, yeah. really, or any particular sport. It was still, like, really entertaining to it was. watch. Yeah. And just to be there. Even though our team, as you said, was Waffleman a lot. Yeah, they... Had a hard time, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it like the the weird thing about it is I was thinking is as we motorball, yeah, in in a leader battle angel, I I would probably certainly be into that. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Like that is something I would like <laughs> go like every 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 time like our local quote unquote team or whatever would be doing one. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I'm in. Cause, cause I was watching the the game, and at one point I was just like, "Man, what if like, what if?" <laughs> I think no, it was after we mentioned like more violent sports, yeah. and we were talking about hockey, and then I brought up lacrosse, yeah, and I was like, "Lacrosse is actually kind of nuts because they're running around with metal sticks, and they have surprisingly small amounts of pads, mm-hmm. like I think less pads than than and football hockey. from what I've seen, and definitely less than hockey, yeah, and they they just like." take each other out and they're like <laughs> smacking each other and they're throwing a like small rubber ball like yeah, the as fast ball. as possible like the little cross ball could do some damage can, I my brother played lacrosse for a while and he was always damaged when he came home <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like what if there was like full contact like full combat sports battle ball or uh, yeah. motor ball not battle ball and I mean I have a game it's a board game that's called battle ball and it's it is that it's football but you can destroy, you're literally in like Neat. mech suits and robots and you can destroy your opponents. <laughs> Instead of being tackled, they literally get destroyed and it leaves rubble on the field or you can't go there anymore. I've always wanted to go to like a demolition derby or something because I feel yeah. like it's it's a little bit of that like manly urge where you're like, I want to see something The primal up. manly or, urge like, to watch something destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I kind of already said it, but what are we watching today? We're watching Alita Battle Angel. came out in 2019. It's PG-13. Uh, it stars Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, and Mahershala Ali. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably end up talking about most of them. At least oh, a yeah. few for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in detail, putting a little highlight on them. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to read a bit of a... Summary of the movie for those who might not have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we found the, the longer one, so it's not just like... Uh. Alita wakes up in, in the 26th century and stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get into that. Uh, when Alita awakens with no memory of who she is in a future world she does not recognize, she is taken in by Dr. Ito, a compassionate doctor who realizes that somewhere in this abandoned cyborg shell is the heart and soul of a young woman with an extraordinary past. 
As Alita learns to navigate her new life and the treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious history, while her street-smart new friend Hugo offers instead to help trigger her memories. But it is only when the deadly and corrupt forces that run the city come after Alita that she discovers a clue to her past. She has unique fighting abilities that those in power will stop at nothing to control. If she can stay out of their grasp, she could be the key to saving their friends, her family, and the world she's grown to love. I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. It's a, it's a good idea to get you started. Yeah, definitely. This one is, like, I want to say, like, it's a kind of special one for me. Yeah. Well, I guess, I, before we start, uh, this is something I wanted to mention. So, just in case, because this isn't something we, we as, like, Kyler and Dallin have experienced before. Yeah. Um, this is, in fact, a re-recording of this episode. Yeah, um, we we attempted it, te- like technically earlier this week, but previously, um, and for some reason it was just kind of off. Yeah, it just felt we we both kind of discussed it afterwards. We're like, like that felt weird. It right? was it like, was like a weird day for yeah. both of us, and then like we ended up getting hung up on some stuff in the movie, and ended up like staying talking about things that ended up kind of being more negative than we anticipated. Yeah, because, you know, we've discussed before that we want to say our criticisms and we want to say things that maybe we disliked or whatever, but we never want to get hung up on that. We never want to focus on that because there's so much, there's so many things out there that do focus on that and it kind of, you know, it kind of sucks that that that's all they focus on, you know. Like, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. After I left. And then I thought about it more for a day or two, and then I was like, I don't know, I think I think we might need to redo this one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it's because, like, I really enjoy this movie. Yeah. This is probably, like I was about to say before I got into this, I think this is in my, my top ten movies, probably. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I'm disappointed in myself that I spent so long not talking about how much I liked the movie. And it's just like, it, it felt like it wasn't up to par with mm-hmm. our other episodes. Well, and even me, it's like, uh, this movie isn't my favorite necessarily, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy Like, it's not like I hate the movie or anything. Yeah. It's like, I do enjoy it. I do, you know, it's, um, it, it has a lot of moments that I do enjoy, but, uh, yeah, like you said, we just kind of got hung up on the things we didn't. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And that hadn't happened to us before. Mm-hmm. Like th- this, this is technically the second time we've had to like miss out on an episode yeah the first one was just because the recording was like botched like it like was, half of it disappeared yeah. we don't even <laughs> know what happened <laughs> it was weird but uh this one was just like it felt off we we weren't pleased with it we weren't happy and so you know to to keep ourselves kind of i guess accountable mm-hmm. in a way i like i just want to sort of talk about it because just in case like it ends up sounding a little weird to the listeners yeah because we're going to try to talk about it as if this was just, like, the first time we had recorded. We're not going to, mm-hmm. like, reference the things we mentioned in the previous recording yeah. or the previous attempt. So we're just going to kind of go through it. But just in case it, just in it case ends something up sounds something weird, sounds yeah. a little, like, like the phrasing is a little weird or, like, it catches us for a second, that, that might be why. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless, just wanted to mention that. And I think we're just going to kind of... Yeah, Go for you know, it as normal from now. Yeah, and you know, it's like, you guys know, you listeners, uh, that we want a positive experience and not yeah. saying that we, we don't want uh, to not talk about the uh, dislikes or mm-hmm. uh, things we had issues with, but we don't want to focus on that. That's yeah. not, and also it's like, we also want to do it in a constructive sense sure, and like yeah. with the correct context to sort of be like, for example, we just did uh, The Sea Beast and I made a point of being like, this is a criticism. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not saying the movie's bad, but this is something that I feel could have been a little better. We more just likened it to, we, we took How to Train Your Dragon and Sea Beast and we just kind of like, oh, exactly. this is how this did it and you know, maybe this is how this should have approached it or whatever, Or yeah. but we still enjoyed it, you know. I had a direct comparison, yeah. and I was like, I enjoy the movie, but this is something I feel could have been a little stronger. And that's what, like, why we felt the previous recording of this felt weird is because we were actually being negative. And, yeah, and it like, just, it was weird. It was yeah, off. It was weird, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. It was just a strange recording. It was a weird day. Regardless, mm-hmm. I think we should just get just, right into just it. Just kind of go go for it as, as we would normally. Well, there's one thing that uh, I want to talk about. Sure. Then, if we just want to jump right in, yeah. is I love like like I mentioned before. This may not be my favorite movie, but I love the look of this movie. Yes, 
uh, I think this is probably one of the things I want to start with as well. Yeah. But, like, the visuals, and kind of directly with that, but, like, the world building, mm-hmm. especially visually, I think is just, like, basically top-notch. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think that is a reoccurring theme in most of my favorite movies. Like, uh, just from off the top of my head, I can think of, like, Interstellar we've done. Mm-hmm. King um, Arthur. King Arthur, that one's really solid. Uh, Avatar was the big one for me. Uh, and then, um, like... Oh, Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the like visuals it, it in those movies are, are top notch. Yeah, but the like with Pacific Rim, it was like seeing all the work that Guillermo del Toro had done around like all the other Jaegers and kaiju he had mm-hmm. created for the story, and like all the the background world building that he has put work into. Yeah. to like help augment the story, even if it's not stuff that really ends up being in the movie. Like I'm pretty sure there were comics, or there was like a like, uh, it's, there's a term for it, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like a web thing where people can go in and, like, find out stuff about the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there was one with the Monster Universe with, like, Monarch files, and you could, like, decode them. Like or a wiki? Them. Sort of. It's, it's like, sort of an Easter egg hunt for a oh, bunch of people. Yeah. They can go in on a website and find things. But then, like, one of the things that still strikes me to this day, and I think we, I talked about it specifically in the episode, but when we did Avatar, mm-hmm. um, I talked about how I one of the first things I ever saw was I went to my local library just for some reason I don't remember exactly why but uh, I found this art book for the movie and it was like pretty thick and I just like flipped through that and I saw the oh, different yeah. like mechs and the the guns and the creatures and the like the plants and just like all this different stuff mm-hmm. about Pandora and about the world that they had built and it's like that stuff doesn't need to exist to make the movie work on screen because most of that isn't even there besides like a name here and there of yeah. different creatures or like they're in the background or something. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, that's just some something that an artist plopped in to help this, you know, d- jungle scene look a little better and yeah. more colorful. But it's like, no, they have a name and like a purpose for this plant that exists in the background. Yeah. And I just think that that is the kind of thing that I personally would love doing if I had the opportunity to do it. It's just like all these little ideas and things of how to, you know, make it all sort of connect. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not something the audience ever really cares about. Yeah, well, and it's it's funny we talking about this movie. Alita is I feel like it has a lot of that. Like I remember when we watched it together, I pointed out that little like taxi uh, cab. Yeah, thing. there's like, the little like almost moped. Yeah, <laughs> guys going through the streets. Yeah, I, I mean I think all the the shots of them in the streets are just like so busy in a good way. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just feels like it's just this mishmash of so many different cultures and people and, and like, all different shapes and sizes. Well, and there are sometimes in, like, movies or even video games where you have that, like, uh, where you go to a big city and this happens in a lot of older video games where there are just, there are people there to fill out the city, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of just standing there, not really doing much, like, just kind of, it doesn't feel lived, it doesn't feel... It's Well, it's almost like they're just there. Yeah. They're, Mm -hmm. They're just, like, it almost could be in, like sports video games when you look at the audience it's oh, yeah. just a bunch of like pngs uh, animated <laughs> of like people raising their arms up yeah. and down and like vibrating and that's about it yeah but then like you look at the actual characters on the, the like court or the field or whatever and they're like super high definition but it's yeah. like that stuff doesn't really matter no one's looking yeah. at that so who cares but i feel like in this in this film you could look at almost any background scene where there's just like extras and you could be like Oh, that that's cool. This guy's doing like this guy's like in the shop selling these mm-hmm. things, and like this guy's cool robot arm is neat. Yeah. Or like the, this well, like this kid just tripped over another guy, and I I don't know yeah. any specific examples necessarily, but like I feel like you could do that. Yeah. Well, like there's one guy. I think you see this guy a little bit more prominently because I think Doctor Ito works on him. But I just even the look of the people is like mm-hmm. I, I love this guy who has just this. Big arm, big robotic arm that's like real chonky. Are you talking about the? I think he's one of the first guys you see. Yeah. At the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure it's when Alita first wakes up and comes downstairs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has this like real chonky arm where it, it looks like it's just used for like maybe he has like a construction job or something. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a lot of things you see in 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 like generally in media, I guess, is like you'll see cybernetics where they're like very uh, similar. 
too. Like for mm-hmm. a good example is for everything I've ever seen of like cyberpunk. Oh yeah, that stuff is all like, oh, I have a robot arm, but it looks like these. The proportions are almost exactly the same as a human arm. Yeah, it's just like it's very refined. And in they the, have some the weird way. stuff like you know, like arm blades or something. But they yeah, like they retract. But like yeah, it all it all fits into yeah. a nice neat form that is the human arm. Yeah, but in this movie, it's just like they have wild crazy looking stuff like yeah. this first guy we're talking about it's like a rectangle it's like a load lifter attached you know, to a like, post yeah. that's just coming out of his shoulder and then like the bottom half of it's just another big old metal rectangle that has like grippers claws yeah. on the end it's not a hand yeah, like i said it's like a load lifter <laughs> or something yeah he probably helps lift and like pallets or th- something that just that goes hand in hand with the whole fact of like this entire city iron city is the last city on on the planet mm-hmm. like Everyone here is from all over the world. It's just like, it's basically a junkyard that they've built a city out of. Yeah. And so it's like super ramshackle. It's all like rusty and worn down and and beat up. And everyone's just kind of like doing what they can with what they have. And so it just like, it all fits. It's all Mm -hmm. sort of this this hodgepodge. Yeah. And And there's a couple different styles. Like now I'm thinking about there's, at one point, Ido talks about a bit of his backstory Mm -hmm. and how his his daughter, his, his actual daughter, Alita was killed spoilers <laughs> what <laughs> sorry obligatory spoiler warning i've been forgetting about that um but he, he had a a motorball guy come in because he used to be a tuner from mm-hmm. the, the motorball players and he came in in the middle of the night looking for drugs or something and then uh he was he said he was the strongest basically cyborg he'd ever made yeah and uh he has like this weird big old like bug eye almost. It's it's also not proportionate to his other eye. It's like a little yeah. bit lower than his his other his real. But eye. like it, it's it's almost like there's no eyelid. It's just like yeah. an eyeball in a socket, but yeah. it's all metal around there. And then like he has two different arms, and he's got, got a bunch of weird stuff all over his chest. Uh-huh. And it's like it doesn't look like you would expect. It looks almost messy, but but like not in a bad way necessarily. It's like yeah. messy in a good way. Well, th- this is it. Kind of this kind of leads into a little bit what I want to talk about why. Maybe this movie isn't necessarily my bag, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm not a big anime guy. Yeah. And anime has a lot of that kind of stuff where it's, it looks interesting. It looks. It looks very different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not what you like. I can think of several off the top of my head. I mean, not necessarily the anime in specific, but like several different like monsters mm-hmm. or like demons in various anime yeah. where it's just like that is just like a weird mouth with like four arms and yeah. like. But like the teeth aren't sharp; they're just like big old normal teeth. I don't know. It's yeah. just like they're they're not what you'd expect. It's mm-hmm. not conventionally like scary or cool looking. Yeah. or something like. And that. And I I don't think we mentioned this before, uh, but in case you didn't know, this movie was based on an anime and a manga. Yeah, a manga and, originally. But yeah, then. but uh, I feel like it it was very this movie's very true to that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Very like like um, there's the one like spider lady. Mm-hmm. In this movie, who uh, you know, she has like the weird pincers and things. Yeah, and she, she has like yeah. almost like praying mantis arm blades. Yeah, it's yeah, and she has she you know when she when she's wearing the cloak, she looks kind of like a normal lady, and then she takes it off, and she has all these different appendages and stuff. And I just feel like it, it's a testament to these people who worked on it, Robert Rodriguez and everyone else, mm-hmm. uh, the whole team who worked on it, who are like, you know what, we don't want to shy away from that anime stuff, which isn't, like I said, it's not necessarily my bag. That's one of the reasons, I can't really even explain it. It's just not my style, it's, you know? It's hard to quantify Yeah, sometimes. you know, yeah. And, and, and that's fine. Um, but, like, I, I still appreciate that, like, they were like, we're not going to shy away from it. We're not going to try to make it, quote-unquote, more relatable to the general audience or something, you know? No, I think about it. I think that's actually one of the reasons why it stands out to me. Mm-hmm. I, I've mentioned this before, but like when I see a movie, either like in a trailer or when I actually just like watch it, generally something that just really immediately grabs my attention is if it is unique, mm-hmm. if it's not what I expect. When I saw the trailer for Dune, oh yeah, uh, that was like the first thing I thought about. I was like, this doesn't look anything like any movie I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. This is going to be good. For me personally. Yeah. And then um, I think another thing I could think of, specifically in regards to the podcast, is when we watched um, King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Yeah. Literally, like, less than a minute in, (laughs) I was already 100% invested. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And it was just because it started on such a unique, like, like the sound was different, the the visuals were different. It came in in a way that was, like, 
interesting. It just like the whole opening sequence was mm-hmm. just like really unique, and it it just like immediately grabbed me. And so with this, it's just like it feels so different from things that I'm I normally expect, and that makes it more interesting for me. No, yeah, and that that is one thing that's really cool. Like, like I said, that's one thing that I just like I totally respect them for not being like because you've seen a lot of anime adaptions that like are like you know we're gonna make it more uh for the general audience i guess yeah, i think the more, more westernized the you biggest know, like, thing i've always seen is like oh the netflix yeah uh anime adaptation and it mm-hmm. like they're hit or they miss, always you know, yeah. generally they end up being poorly received mm-hmm. by the the original fans and this one from everything i've seen like the the scores on IMDb and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Like everything I've ever heard about this has been, for the most part, like very positive. Like yeah, as far as being true to the original source material, mm-hmm. and I admire that. Yeah, because me too, because like <laughs> it's a different culture. Like yeah, that's I think that's part of the reason why sometimes anime is a little bit more difficult to get into for some people. Like for example, yourself is mm-hmm. just like it is. From a different part of the world, it's yeah. it's something that's not exactly what we expect as like a Western audience. I well, guess. well, that's the funny thing too is like whenever someone you know like suggests anime to me, I always want to at least try it because yeah. I never know. And then there are some like more Westernized animes, you know, like the um, like Castlevania, Avatar: The Last Airbender, if you can even call that one. But uh, eh, it, I, it has roots. Technically, uh, qual. Yeah. I, I it's. But like semantics, it's stuff like that that uh, I'm like, okay, I like that stuff. But like, you know, I always try it, and even when I'm like, okay, that wasn't for me. I'm never saying it's bad. I'm never like, I, I, you know, like someone is just like, oh, why didn't you like that? Like you said, it's hard to quantify, but it's like, I just am like, it just wasn't for me. It's and I just... think that's an important thing that a lot of people need to understand. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to understand. But like, when you really enjoy something. And someone else maybe doesn't have the same reaction that you do. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're like making a dig at you or yeah. they hate the thing. It's just like maybe they just didn't have as much of an investment. Maybe they just didn't care as much. Yeah. Because there are times like there was a time uh, a couple of years ago uh, when we were still living together. There was one day that I just for some reason just I was watching a bunch of Dragon Ball Z fights and stuff just because, mm-hmm. you know, like and sometimes like I really like that kind of stuff. But it's it's just not my my cup of tea, I guess, you know, and you know, it's. It's kind of difficult sometimes when I try to tell people because I don't want it to sound yeah, like I don't, don't have a you, reason. Like you, know? you don't want to, I guess, like shut them down almost. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the same with this movie because my dad loves this movie. You love this movie. And like there are a lot of things as we'll talk about that I do really enjoy of this mm-hmm. movie. It's just, you know, something that didn't catch my eye as it did other people, which yeah. is like you said, it, I think that's an important thing is like, you know, sometimes it just isn't for that person, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. This is actually something I think is a great jumping off point mm-hmm. to get, or a great, a great tangent to get into. Yeah. Your, you, while we were watching it, you kept bringing up facts about Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. as the director. Yeah. Yep. And how you kept seeing parallels with a lot of his other movies. Yep. And, and you were just like, every time you would turn to me and talk about one of those things, you always just like seemed really genuinely interested and like, excited about talking oh, yeah. about it because it was interesting it was fascinating and, that, and that's kind of what I, I think i mentioned this to you while we were watching it but like i'm a big robert rodriguez fan mm-hmm. and um that i think that was another thing disappointing for myself that why this movie didn't grab me as much is because i love a lot of his other movies and for, for those who might not know mm-hmm. he's done things like spy kids and from dust till dawn desperado once upon a time in mexico machete yeah, yeah. he's done a lot of like I don't know if this is quite the right word, but kind of like campy, like, yeah, campy like, B movie type of things, kind of goofy, yeah. kind of like, and that's not kind of quite the... satirical, but just like in a way, in a way, some of yeah, them are, sort of, yeah. But like they're they're just goofy, they're fun, mm-hmm. they're like they're not you don't take them seriously. Yep. It's just that's kind of the point. Yeah, and uh, like I've always loved him, and I told Dallin this while we were watching that. I, I kind of was reevaluating it in my head, like oh, I, instead of watching this as a big blockbuster, yada, yada, yada. I'm watching this as a Robert Rodriguez movie, and it kind of changed my perspective a little bit. I mean, for me too. Yeah. See, th- th- this is something I didn't know until you were looking at all this stuff. I mm-hmm. didn't, like, I didn't even know the name Robert Rodriguez, really. Yeah. 
Like this, this is one of the things that I find really fascinating about this podcast is you know all these directors and actors, and I just kind of like I know movies, yeah, and and like characters, and so when you tell me like, oh, this was directed by this person, and this other movie was also directed by this person, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I really like that other one. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. And so we we're talking about how like, oh, he he did like Spy Kids, and I, I was as we were watching, there were several moments where I was like. Like, the one I can think of specifically is there's a point where one of the sort of, like, minor antagonists, mm-hmm. his name is Zapan. Oh, uh, yeah. He's another one of the hunter warriors, which they're basically like bounty hunters. Um, he, th- no, no, it's not him. They're fighting him. Yeah. But Hugo, basically Alita's boyfriend, uh, throws a, like, firebomb at him. Oh, yeah. And it, the way it passes in front of the camera is just, like... Super reminiscent of like the Spy Kids three like three D like claw <laughs> your face yeah. from the screen. Well, I moments. even I even thought Motorball was a very Spy Kids. Yeah, yeah it was a little more violent than like some of the Spy Kids. It was very similar stuff. to like the the they have like a motorcycle car race thing. Yeah, and that was kind of destructive. And I was like, that's kind of like there's a yeah. lot of parallels here. I and also was, and this wasn't a Robert Rodriguez film, but I also had a little bit of Speed Racer in the, yeah. the Motorball. Yeah, yeah. Speed Racer is so good. It is. <laughs> it is. That's a movie we may need to talk about because that's a wild visuals. But yeah, it's just like it's there's so many like interesting parallels you can see with this, mm-hmm. and and like the reason it's so fascinating is because Alita is such a huge like step away, not necessarily a step away, but it's like. It's different. It's very different, like, scope-wise and, like, yeah. budget-wise and, like, seriousness-wise, I guess, than the other movies that he's done well, primarily. It's, it's interesting, too, because I mentioned this to you, but uh, most of the time, Robert Rodriguez, he directs, writes. Uh, he's the cinematographer. He edits. He composes. He, he does so much because... Yeah, he's almost in charge of, like, everything about yeah. the, the movie mm-hmm. to the point where it's like literally everything is him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is like one of his first uh, ones in a while where he's just the the director. This is actually something I was going to mention earlier. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, I didn't know really who Robert Rodriguez was. I didn't know he was the director. Yeah. I knew that James Cameron was yeah. connected to this movie, mm-hmm. and so I just assumed that he was the director. Right. And then I, I was like, that's actually really interesting that he was just like a writer and producer for this movie. Because mm-hmm. I think you were saying he was like sort of uh, so he, tied up with other stuff that he was yeah. working on. He was working on, well, and it was funny, is he was working on this idea for the Alita movie for, since like 1995. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's had been, the idea for yeah, a he, long He's been time. writing it. He, I think he's had the script written for a while. And uh, with the new Avatar movies, he's kind of been busy. And Robert Rodriguez actually approached him and was like, Hey, uh, what's happening with that Alita movie? And James Cameron's like, I don't know if I'll get to it. But, and he like gave him the script and was like, If you can find something with it, go ahead. Yeah, and so he was still there. And like, yeah. the, as I'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure, like, there's a huge, like, you can see his hand in a ton oh, yeah. of ways, like with a lot of the production stuff. Mm-hmm. And,. And technical things, but like it's, I was just assuming that it was his movie, yeah. And so it was really interesting to like put it in the correct context and then see how that changes the way I look at it. it and for me, it makes it better. Like it makes oh, yeah. it more interesting that way. Well, it's interesting too, like you mentioned, to see both of their fingerprints in this. Like you mm-hmm. can definitely see James Cameron's fingerprints and Robert Rodriguez's. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to see that kind of collaboration. That uh, that okay, that's an interesting. That's another parallel. Yeah. Like. Sort of the, the, not really the goofiness, but like the unexpectedness of the designs mm-hmm. that we were talking about, that is all stuff that I wouldn't be surprised to see in a, in a movie like Spy Kids. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more like for kids. Yeah, a little more aimed like a little at a more audience. goofy. Yeah, 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 a little bit more like bouncy. Because I wouldn't necessarily silly. call the ones in this movie goofy per se, just more out of this world. Yeah, they're yeah. a little, they're just strange. They're unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then. Make it a little bit more like bouncy and goofy and yeah. silly, and then like that would be like, like thumb thumbs. I was gonna say some of the weird thumbs, like yeah. sculpted monster guys in the first Spy Kids, yeah. like floop. Yeah, those are just they're so weird and strange, and it's like I can see like Who I can visualize things from each of these movies where it's like those are so almost the same. Yeah, it's it's well, really and, weird, and, and like the things like the you know you were talking about that fireball that Hugo threw, you know that was. You know, in Spy Kids, they had those things like the, the 
their some of their gadgets were like you know they had the gum that they would uh, chew and then they yeah. spit it out and it would like shock people or whatever like <laughs> I loved those movies as a kid that's why that's why you know like I said this movie still may not be my favorite or anything but I think I got more of an appreciation for it yeah as I looked at it like oh this is a Robert Rodriguez film like yeah. and I was like I can see that now I can like it gave me more enjoyment of it you know because I was like. Like, From Dust Till Dawn is one of my favorite movies because of just how ridiculous it is. And, like, mm-hmm. just it's a cult classic. And there's a lot of wild things in that movie. And I see, see it translate to here that yeah. I like. And I'm just so happy, too, that Robert Rodriguez got to have this big old blockbuster. Yeah. Because I don't think necessarily it's his. He, he's not really striving, like, I want to do big blockbusters. Yeah. He, he likes doing smaller things. But also, recently, he did. Uh, he produced and directed three episodes of Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. and uh, like just seeing the behind the scenes of that and just how jazzed he was to do this kind of stuff was jazzed. That's a good word. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it just it made my heart smile because I've I've kind of grown up with Robert Rodriguez yeah. first with like Spy Kids, then his more adult movies and things, and like and that's also a really cool thing that you don't get in a lot of directors is that you could grow up with Robert Rodriguez like literally like there are some directors who stick with more kids movies or who who stick with more adult movies but Robert Rodriguez has his hand in all the honey pots like you could well the, one of the interesting things you told me is this is actually his first PG-13 movie mm-hmm. it's usually all either PG or R yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I don't think it's actually that far apart. Yeah. If you really think about it, it's mm-hmm. just like what level of humor and like yeah. how far are we going with this stuff? Because with kids, it's like, okay, we'll make it like more slapstick. And then with adults, it's like, no, we're going to be irreverent. But it's not uh-huh. really that far off if you really think about it. The only thing I was disappointed by in this movie from Robert Rodriguez's point of view is that Danny Trejo wasn't in it. M- Machete. Yeah. Because Machete, he's in. Uh, Danny Trejo's in a lot of his things. He was even in an episode of Book of Boba Fett, which is funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did I tell you that I, I knew him just solely as Machete? Oh, yeah. For <laughs> most of my life. I was just like, that guy? Oh, that's Machete. Well, and he doesn't in, have a name. Even in Spy Kids, he's Uncle Machete. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's it's funny. And like I said, it, it's just cool that like I didn't even have this realization till now that I have kind of grown up with Robert Rodriguez. Because I would watch Spy Kids... One and two, uh, so much, and then like when three came out, I was like, "Dad, I gotta go. We gotta go see the three D movie." Yeah. And then, and then you know, he showed me from Dust Till Dawn, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, all those things, and I was like, "Wow, these are really cool." And I, it's just fun to see all those parallels, mm-hmm. and even see it in this, and gain that appreciation because of this wonderful director, yeah. and just how he is such a he loves what he does. Yeah, he like th- there are so many things where the behind the scenes things where you see him. He really has fun with his actors. He he takes the time to get to know them and uh, make sure that they're doing okay and things. And like one of my favorite behind the scenes Robert Rodriguez things is actually from his first Mandalorian episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing the guitar with Baby Yoda and Baby Yoda's dancing. You know, <laughs> you know, as we kind of yeah. talked about, like the yeah. the puppeteers will yeah. have like Baby Yoda do things on set while they're just kind of like hanging out. Yeah. And it's just, like, a lot of fun yeah. for all the actors to just, like, see him dancing around or, or like, yeah. you know, being still a character, even though he is just, like, a puppet, yeah. really. Well, and it, it's just fun seeing Robert Rodriguez having a blast, too. You know? Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> I, I bet that's fun for the actors, like, that, like, oh, not only are we having fun, but he is, too. Like, yeah, he gives us criticism, oh, maybe do it differently, or... I've always thought about that, because, as you know, I've always wanted to try to dabble in directing and things you know like it's never really worked out and i just feel like having a fun environment is is a good you know because like obviously you have you know things you want differently or you know a director has their vision but instead of saying uh hey do it this way just be like hey you know like be like fun and be don't don't be you are their boss technically but like yeah. I don't know. I just whenever I see directors having a good time and laughing and things, it just always know that there was care and stuff put into it, and it wasn't just. Well, this is actually a, sort of a, an interesting tie-in to something I was mentioning earlier. But I was talking about how like the world building and like mm-hmm. the those like art books and things that I had seen, and and I was like those aren't really necessary. But with with those things like that, but also like Baby Yoda being yeah. a character outside of filming, and like 
just everybody's just sort of being excited and like invested and having a good time. All of those things kind of work together because if like your writers and, and world like that, there's not a, a position that's like a world builder, but like whoever ends up doing it, it probably is the writers, but like mm-hmm. whoever ends up doing it, if they have like this, this book of stuff where they can be like, Oh, in this scene, like these things in the background do this, or this is their purpose. or like, this is kind of the environment they're in or like, this is just some stuff to kind of give you a bit of more of an idea of what's going on beyond just like the script like that just helps everyone be more invested, yeah, and be more excited. And I think, it, and it really translates onto screen when you're watching it too. Like, yeah, I I feel like that helps actors. Like when they're having a good time on set mm-hmm. and behind the scenes, I feel like that helps them be more real in that context of acting. And you know, like it, because like if you're having a bad time, no matter how hard you're trying to, you know, it's like you may put off a pretty good performance, but it's probably mm-hmm. not going to be as believable as someone who's having a great time and then it's like, okay, action. And then, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, this this is something we've sort of talked about before, but it's like when you have an actor who, like, embraces the character that they play, like, we've seen it so much in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. where, like, Chris Evans is still kind of Captain, Captain America, America yeah. off screen. Like, not maybe not as much, but like you, you ask him something about Captain America, and he he's got an answer. Like he knows yeah. exactly how to respond. Well, and even now, it's like it, you know, because Sam Wilson's Captain America in the universe, people are like saying, "Oh, we wish Steve was back." And he's like, "Nope, Sam's Cap now," and that's such a Steve thing to say. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like like he's he's sort of like he just embraces who that is. Yeah. And it's almost like changed who may. I mean, this might be a bit of like a guess but yeah. like i'm sure it's also affected who chris evans is as a person too oh yeah like he's taken on some of the mannerisms of the character well, playing that character for what Captain 10, 10 years more yeah. yeah like more than 10 years yeah and who knows he might still end up coming back at some point like maybe it's just like a flashback or something like that but like still that's a that that's a huge portion of his life mm-hmm. he's in what like his 30s uh either late 30s or early 40s yeah but like right. still, that's that's like what a third of his life, yeah, ish, yeah, give or take. Like that's it's crazy. That's huge. That's yeah. that's a huge portion of his life that he's played one primarily one character, yeah, not exclusively one character. But like that was the main thing that he was for so long. Well, and this is obviously a bit different. Is this one movie and whatever? Mm-hmm. But uh, Rose Rosa Salazar, who played Alita, yeah, I was also I was gonna mention uh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, Christoph Waltz as well. Yeah, yeah. No, but you go first. <laughs> no, Rosa Salazar. She, uh, I haven't, I, I don't know her from really anything else, but uh, she really seemed to uh, embrace this role. This, like, just her naivete and uh, how she wants to discover who she really is, and just how you know she's not taking anybody's crap, even though she still doesn't necessarily know who she is or where she fits in. You know, she like when she's like, "I'm going to become a hunter warrior." And no one's gonna tell me otherwise, you know. Like, yeah. It, like, and just her relationship with with, with Hugo, like, seeing like how he's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> I so this is something that I mean, we kind of mentioned this earlier, where you were like, it, it was sort of alluding to the fact of like you sometimes struggle with like anime and then mm-hmm. like this movie specifically, but like watching it together and then also looking at some of the other stuff, like it helped you see it in another light. Yeah. For me, with this movie specifically, that's relevant to, like, I went and watched this with Allie, my mm. wife. She, I th- I don't remember if we saw it in theaters, like, immediately when it came out or if it was a little after, but yeah. we went and saw it, and we both were, like, super, super excited about this movie. And one thing that I've always noticed with her specifically is it sort of, like, opened my eyes in a way that, like, I didn't really expect. And it it's interesting because, like, obviously she is a woman and I'm mm-hmm. a man. And so she gravitates more towards, like, female leads. And, like, yeah. like Alita, uh, like, Wonder Woman. You were mentioning Black Widow in our yeah, Age Black of Widow, episode. Yeah, Black Widow. She was so excited about the Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, that just, it gave me another like sense of appreciation for mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. When like it wasn't necessarily that I didn't appreciate it before. It's just like now I have an additional layer to that. Right. Where it's like this is really important for her and people like her. Mm-hmm. And so now I understand why it's important. 
Yeah. When t- before it was just like, that's cool. Yeah. But now it's like, that's cool. And this is why, and this is a deeper reason mm-hmm. why. Exactly. And, and like just Alita is such like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people said like Alita is kind of annoying. Well, it, it's that funny thing. It's like, I mentioned the naivete uh, that she had. She's kind of reckless. Yeah. Uh, no, not kind. She is reckless. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes it's almost to the point where like, I think in my notes, I actually said, like, innocence to, like, foolhardy, Mm -hmm. like, foolhardy drive, I think is what I put, where she just, like, she decides she wants something, and she, she gets it. Like, she will go get that thing. Yeah. And it, it, like, most of the time, it is through, like, either one of the main antagonists, like, Gruishka, the giant, like, ten foot tall mech guy. She takes off like, (laughs) super, like... Bullet claws. I don't even know what you call them, but like they're they're these like they're claw like chains out, yeah. that like shred things and they come out of his fingers. Like that's such an anime thing. Oh, that, yeah. right. That's probably one of the most anime things in this entire movie. It's yeah. just like, oh, I have claws that shoot out and I can like whip them around and claw people up. Yeah, <laughs> but like she she does not care that he is like a solid like four to five times her size. And, like, things like Dr. Ito. And he is a fantastic character. And yeah, he is. Like I said, I want to talk about Christoph Waltz, so I'll get to him in a second. But, like, he sort of gets in her way a couple times where he's like, no, I'm trying to, like, protect you. Because he, he sort of still sees her as a daughter, even though, like, she's not his I mean, daughter. he named her after his own he, daughter. Yeah, he did yeah. give her the name Alita. He did give her the body he designed for Alita. Mm-hmm. I, that was one thing I didn't mention earlier, but, like, she was in a wheelchair... I think she was just like a paraplegic, like the lower mm. half, because she she was like moving around by herself. But he created a body for her so that she could be like strong, and and like move around on her own and be independent and all that. And then he found Alita in the junkyard, where it was just her like head and like sort of like her rib cage. That was all that was left. And then he put her in the body he had originally made for his daughter, and also that. That design of that oh, yeah. body is just like so just beautiful. Like I can't like, think of a better way. To like put ivory, you know. Yeah, like, it's like yeah. ivory or, or like almost porcelain mm-hmm. skin with all like the gold filigree yeah. and just like all the different ways that the plates sort of like layer together and move and shift. Like I, I'm certain they spent months, if not years, designing that body mm-hmm. and just like how intricate and like in. Like so elegant, like everything well, is. With yeah. It. Well, and you talked about that one scene where she lifts her hand up to the light. Yeah. The one of the original scenes, the the first scene that you see her in the body, she wakes up, and she lifts her hand up and just looks at it because she, last thing she remembers, she didn't have a body. Like she's right. like, what's going yeah. on here? But you can literally see like the subsurface scattering of the light shining through the like quote unquote skin, the like sort of ivory stuff we were yeah. talking about, like. You can see like the metallic bones inside, and I'm just like, that's it's so, so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, and it's like it's such a huge like area of inspiration for me. Where it's like whatever I think about like a metallic or like like cybernetic character of some sort, like that is the first thing that pops into my head well, every single well, time. I think you may have mentioned this to me a little bit, but uh, as you guys know, we're big nerds and we're in a D and D campaign. Yeah, uh, but yeah, your 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 character, my main like the main character I'm playing right now. Like, almost unconsciously so, super heavily inspired by Alita. Yeah. Like, in more ways than I, I intended for. Like, the the main thing is is the body of, like, the metallic body. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're basically a robot. But, like, the, the, like, visual design I based directly off of that. But now, the more I think about it, like, almost the, the like, the role-playing aspects of that, too. Like, the, the personality and stuff is also in a lot of ways, inspired by Alita. Yeah. And it's just, like, while I was watching the movie, I was just like, wow, that's actually kind of interesting how much I got out of this, like, without actively thinking about it. Right, it's just... And how much it influenced me specifically. Yeah. It's really cool how how just films in general stick with you like that. And, like, I I mean, I want to get to Ito first, but, like, Mm -hmm. that also leads me into some of, like, sort of the, like I was saying, the James Cameron... Oh, yeah. ...stuff. (laughs) But, like, uh... Christoph Waltz? Yeah, I kind of want to talk about, like, Christoph Waltz and, like, sort of the dynamic between the two of them. Because I love... We, we've we talked, uh, like, between ourselves a little bit about how, like, Christoph Waltz is just, like, such a... 
he's of like a, a presence on screen. I will say this. He is incredible because he does such a good job at um, very subtle face movements and things. And like he, like a lot of people, the, the, you know, um, they say the eyes is a big part of acting. Mm-hmm. And Christoph Waltz is so good at that. He is so good at like looks and things and just little squints in his eyes or, you know, just a little thing in his face that he's so good at, you you can tell exactly what he's thinking and just, like, you, you really feel that emotion coming from him. Yeah. He's just, he's, he's just, again, like I was saying, he's so distinct. He's so mm-hmm. unique. Like, the way his voice sounds and, like, just the characters he plays, they always kind of just stand out yeah. amongst the crowd. Like, the two I can think of mainly is this one, and then he plays the antagonist in uh, Spectre. Spectre, yeah. yeah, he's Blofeld. I couldn't remember exactly which James Bond it was. Well, and that's but... the thing too is like it's it's crazy seeing the difference between Ito is such a kind character, you know, like yeah, a, a, like a unironically good, kind, yeah, and good person. And, and then good. you have Blofeld, who is the the nemesis of James Bond. Yeah, know, like, and he also plays like one of the commanders. I don't remember exactly Nazi what, in in, in, in Glorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. And he's also the, uh, I don't remember his character's name, but in Django Unchained, he's like, a, he, he's a good guy, but he's kind of like an anti-hero. He's like the dentist, you know, he has, yeah. I, yeah, I forget his character's name, but he has the like heart that has the big old tooth, you know. The, the, yeah. <laughs> but it turns out he's like one of the, the best snipers I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the big old beard. Yeah, no, he's, he's fantastic. And like you said, everything I see him in. It's just like. Every time I see him on screen, I, I'm just immediately interested in whatever it is. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I'm enthralled by, like, like he pops on, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't want to look away. Yeah, and, like, he is... I, actually, this is, yeah, this is something I'm sort of, like, putting together now. But, like, he's kind of one of the characters on screen that I've always liked. And, like, kind of someone that I strive to be someday mm-hmm. is, like, that sort of... That voice of, I guess, wisdom, like the yeah. the wizened old old man, I guess. And he's not like super old, but he's he's like definitely older. And he's he's like your elder, you know, like like he is uh, someone that you would get advice from and someone yeah. you would trust and and like especially in his case, specifically, uh, Doctor Ito is the doctor of the like cybernetics clinic, basically, and so all of the people with robot arms. And stuff like that. Like, all these different enhanced individuals will come to him to basically get treatment for robotic-related injuries. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that's super prevalent because almost everyone has some form of of cybernetics. Well, even his nurse. His his nurse has... Yeah, the... she has a robot arm. Mm-hmm. And, like, Alita's entirely metallic. There's, like, a bunch of the other hunter warriors are, like, very, very enhanced. Like... I mentioned Zapan. Oh yeah, his okay. His is another design that is really. I was really gonna cool. say yeah that uh, the the like it almost looks kind of Mayan on the back of his like it's, it's weird. yeah I don't yeah I don't know how to describe exactly. it but it's like it's like that kind of uh, it's like a like a mosaic almost, yeah like a circular mosaic of just like these interlocking like plates of mm-hmm. metal and like his whole his whole body is just like super intricate and it's all like this shiny almost chromish material yeah and like it's. It just like it's it all fits together and moves in such a like interesting way. Yeah, and then the, and he, I think the thing that's most interesting, which might be what you're about yeah. to say, but his his face. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. A lot of the robotic characters or the, the cyborg characters, I guess I'll say, have human faces, and that's one of the things that's perhaps a little bit strange to see. Mm-hmm. Like we've been saying a couple times, is just like seeing an entirely robotic body and then a normal human face on on the front. Yeah. It can be a little weird. But, like, with him, it's, like, I really, really like it. Because, first of all, it plays into his character because he really cares about his look and, like, his, his sort of his aura he gives off. Like, yeah. he walks into him and everyone looks at him. And he's well, like, oh, I'm cool. I'm, like, I'm so shiny. Like, well, I and, like, at the end when she kind of slices off his face, he's like, ah, my face! Yeah. Ah. That's, oh, that's also... Yeah. Creepy, because oh, like yeah. she cuts his literally like the front of his face off with his own sword. Yeah, um, like you see all the the teeth in his tongue and like all the bits and pieces on it, and I'm just like, Ew. yeah, <laughs> gnarly. Yeah, 
But like as I was saying, with his with his face, they the way they like sort of comped it in. I guess that's like the best thing I or like made it all flow. Yeah, is they they like actually took the sides of his face, the edges, and I don't know if they like drew lines or something on the actual actor or what. It literally looks like his face is a mask. Basically, yeah, it has like it has three dimensional depth and it, like wraps around. It's like a layer over his head and. It has, like, kind of an interesting shape around the edges. Like, it's not just what you'd normally expect where it's, like, sort of, like, around the cheekbone and then down mm-hmm. the jaw and then along the bottom. Like, there's there's more to it than that. But it's, like, it just looks so cohesive yeah. with everything else. Like, that's one thing I'm, I mentioned, or I didn't mention, but I saw several times while we were watching it. There's probably very little practical effects mm-hmm. in this movie. I would be surprised. It's another to very say. James Cameron it's, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very CG. But there was multiple times where I had to actively remind myself that it isn't practical. Kind of like kind of like with Avatar. Like we we mentioned that one scene where Jake jumps into the river. Oh yeah. And it's it's all like it's literally 100% simulated like CG environment. And I don't notice. It looks mm-hmm. real. It looks photorealistic. All the rocks, all the trees, the roots, the water, like, it looks perfect. And then, it, this is a similar thing. Like, it's it's maybe not as high of a level. There's a few times where we, we sort of were like, oh, that, I'm pretty sure that's a green screen there. Like it's, Yeah, and there, there is one spot, too, uh, with the, like, robot thing. Is like, when, so, spoilers, Hugo has to uh, get his head onto a robot body. Yeah. For some reason, that one looks a little more off than any of the others. Yeah, and, and I don't know if that was, like, because... Because they like didn't have as much time on that yeah. one, or it was just like more rushed out, or whatever. I don't really know. It doesn't yeah. really matter. It, yeah, but it, it was, still looks good. Yeah. It's just more obvious to be like that looks a it little just bit lo- off. It just looks off. That's the yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also it was only a very small part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's maybe ten minutes, yeah. five minutes at most. And he does have kind of a chunky body. You know, it's like very yeah. you know kind of rock and sock and robot type of body. Yeah, and like his arms and his like his different limbs are unique looking yep. like it's all sort of like ramshackled together mm-hmm. like duct tape and elbow grease i guess <laughs> yeah it just feels like thrown together whereas some like zapan is very like elegant and like he's obviously spent a lot of his money on augmenting himself yep and but, like that, and then gruishka you know it's like yeah the thing that's unsettling about him to me is he he has these big like pauldrons and things but like he still has like that human skin over it you know yeah, yeah. he has his face is CG because mm-hmm. it's like not normal human proportions. Yeah, it's kind of like the the Warcraft or like Starcraft two like oh, yeah, big yeah. old bulky shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like wider and beefier yeah. than than normal. But like, yeah, you were saying his whole head is like human skin basically, and then like also his like pecs and his shoulders and his arms and stuff have essentially like human skin. Yeah. And it, it is kind of unsettling. weird and unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be unsettling. Oh, yeah, for sure. And also, one thing I love about Grishka is he changes so much throughout the movie. There's like, I want to say there's at least four versions of him. Because there's the original, and then Alita fights him and use, uses Penzerkunst, <laughs> the, uh, the Erm... Uh, cyborg fighting style is, yeah. is what it's what it's for but she breaks his arm off mm-hmm. uh like like brings her leg down kicks him on the the like shoulder joint and it breaks his arm off yeah and then he ends up getting the like like claw hand claw yeah. fingers the weird anime the chain claw. fingers yeah. <laughs> i don't even know what you call them but <laughs> uh, and that's really cool like he uses those for a while he actually ends up that's uh, he he ends up destroying Alita's body because she goes to fight him again. They go down to like the underworld of the city, and he has all five of these. And she jumps at him, and he like they spiral around her, and then like cut her into bits. Mm-hmm. And then she still with one arm and like half a torso shoves a bottle in his eye. Right? No, or, her arm. Oh yeah, it was her, her arm. entire yeah, like right directly into his eye socket, yeah. and then breaks it off. I don't and know why then, I thought it was a bottle. Right. <laughs> it's that's crazy. Yeah, she's like so brutal, but it's yeah. it's it's so good because she just like goes a hundred percent all out for it like every time. Yeah. Then she ends up finding. Well, she previously found a urn, which is the uh, United Republic of Mars. I want to say. 
Oh I, yeah. I don't remember that's ex- I I don't know if it's Republic, but it's United something of Mars. Mm-hmm. And that's where she's from. There it's like another group of people and that's actually where the original like the fall, the giant war that happened yeah. it was Erm fighting the the cities, the sky mm-hmm. cities. I don't remember if they have like a faction name or whatever, but right, yeah. Zalem, the big floating city above Iron City. Where Edward Norton is. Yeah. Everyone wants to get there cuz it's like it's a utopia or whatever. I'm sure it's not, but yeah. like uh Everyone wants to get up there because Iron City sucks and Zalem is perfect and it's like it's this big old floating city in the sky and of course like everyone thinks like that's amazing that's beautiful and all this. Well, and it's interesting to see you know like when everyone is doing things to try to get to Zalem, especially mm-hmm. with um, uh, Mahershala Ali's character. What uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Vector. Vector. Yeah, he he keeps telling people, "Oh yeah, I'll send you to Zalem," and then well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Is um, Sharin. Who is technically Jennifer uh, Connelly? Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Connelly. It's Doctor Ito's like ex-wife, I guess. Yeah. Um, she's also a like cybernetics doctor, basically. She works for Vector a lot, and um, the the she does other s- things with him too. Wink. Yes. <laughs> she ends up kind of being like sort of a pseudo antagonist for mm. part of the. She's helping the bad guys. The interesting thing is like. Alita is technically in her daughter's body, so she yeah. has like she feels a kind of way about that. Yeah, and then um, later realizes that like, oh, Vector's kind of wrong. But the thing I noticed is in this viewing that I I don't think I'd noticed before is when she finally like turns is she I don't remember who Vector is talking about. I think it's Hugo, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. She's she basically asks like, how did you convince this person? to help you. And then uh, Vector says, oh, I told him I'd send him to Zalem, of course. And then she kind of like, he's facing the other direction. She kind of just looks at him and like has this knowing look in her eyes. She's like, he's been lying to me this entire time. Like, he's been promising me to send me to Zalem like for years. And he just basically outed to me that that's just his go-to thing to get people to do what he wants. And to chop him up and send him up in... uh... As we unfortunately later see with Shireen. Uh, yeah. She does get sent to Zalem, but the only way that anyone ever gets there, which is their... Their organs. Their, and... it, it was her brain, her eyes, her heart, and her hands. Yeah. And that was all that was left. Mm-hmm. And then that's going up to... Uh, uh, I forget. What's Edward Norton's character? Nova? Nova, yeah. yeah. The, the big bad... Guy who, who looks uh, interesting. He does look kind of goofy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like these big old like goggle eye glasses on, and, and like, then white hair. Like also, Edward Norton just isn't a super intimidating looking person. <laughs> yeah. So it, that was that's kind of kind of <laughs> silly, but it's fine. Yeah, like, no, yeah, that's yeah. that's like something where it's like, oh, we're kind of going out of the realms of expectation again, mm-hmm. and like as long as the performance is solid, which. That I had no problems with him. Oh no! Yeah. The problem is like he's he's not really in it a lot. Yeah. So I can't really critique his performance because he's just yeah. kind of like looking at them and then. Yeah. One thing that's interesting though, um, when he talks through other characters, it's primarily Vector, but he also does it through Grishka at one point. Yeah. He can like take over their cybernetics and talk through their their bodies. That's actually really fascinating because yeah. they did it with several. Like I said, they did it with Gruishka and uh, Vector. Vector, and the the de- how much their demeanor changes mm-hmm. when it happens is actually like really striking, yeah. and it's I think it's like really well done. What a, yeah, no, one of my favorite scenes is when uh, he takes over Vector and he's talking with Alita, and then Alita ends up killing Vector, and it's like oh one less puppet for you, and he's like oh that's okay, and you see Vector visibly dying. Mm-hmm. Like, his body's convulsing, doing weird things, but his head is still looking at her and talking normally. And he's, his, like, he's yeah. still talking smoothly. Yeah. And Well, like, uh, I think you said one of your favorite lines is when she stabs him at first, and he goes, oh, that looks fatal. Yeah, he looks at it and he's like, ooh, that looks fatal. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, as, you know, like, uh, Mahershala Ali, he's, he's fallen to the floor and everything, and, like, and just seeing how Vector is still talking to her normally throughout Vector's body dying. Yeah. And then even... He gets like one last line off when it looks like Vector's dead, and then <laughs> he has like lifeless eyes, but yeah. he's still kind of looking at Alita. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly what he says mm-hmm. at the very end, uh, but he says like one last final line of this, like mm-hmm. foreboding, like I'm still coming for you, kind of thing. Yeah, um, and just like the way he's looking at Alita. Yeah, 
with just like those blue sort of lifeless eyes and then his mouth goes and it's just like ooh, that's kind of yeah. creepy i'm pretty sure vector's dead right there like yeah and I, I think that uh great performance from mahershal ali there try, like mm-hmm. I, imagine how hard it would be doing try to act like you're dying while still like talking normally you know like yeah and like keeping your voice steady yeah like that's it's just like it's kind of subtle but i think it was really well done yeah and same with like when they do it with Gruishka, because he's a very like loud and boastful i guess i don't know he, yeah. he's just like really he is he's a huge guy and he's kind of just like i'm cooler than everyone else and like yeah. i'm scary and you better be intimidated by me but then he like immediately he changes into like this sort of almost like calm and like it like it almost looks reassuring in yeah. the moment because uh-huh. he, he, it's Nova talking through him to Sharin, I think, and then Vector comes in, and then he switches to Vector. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, what's going on here? Because <laughs> she hasn't really talked to Nova before. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's a neat thing. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's really cool. But, yeah, you know, this, this movie gave, I got a lot of, um, I, I looked at it a different way, and a lot more appreciation for it, you know, and I, like, also, like we mentioned before, just seeing it through our partner's eye, you know, the person who brings the movie, yeah. seeing it through your eyes. and Yeah, like, you yeah. seeing it how I enjoy it, uh-huh. and then, like like I was saying earlier, like, me seeing it the way Allie enjoys it. Yeah. And, like, how that sort of, again, like, opens up our perspective a little bit more and mm-hmm. adds additional layers to what we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I that's... I hate to reiterate ourselves because yeah. sometimes it feels like we're being irritating. But like again, that's that's one of the main things we wanted to achieve. It's oh yeah, just... and you know it's like one of those things where it's you don't have to change your opinion. You don't have to you know like this movie still isn't one of my favorites. But like it's like I said, I, I'm just gonna say it again. I have a new appreciation. Yeah, I'm not trying to convince you yes. to like the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help you understand why, why you I like, like it. the movie. And that helps me... It, it, I, you know, I will honestly say it helps me like it more than I did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's just great to see, like, oh, I get it now. You know, I get why... It, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, if nothing else, we can just have a more interesting conversation about it. Yeah. Here, and then, like, also in the future, potentially. Yeah. And so, it, like... I don't know. There, I've had a lot of times where people like I'll tell someone that I like something and they'll like sort of criticize me for it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but why? Art, <laughs> art is subjective, you know. Like that—that's actually something I, I had to catch myself doing recently, mm-hmm. and I'm still—I still need to kind of like work on it a little bit. Yeah. But uh, one of our friends, two of our friends, we we had a sort of an argument once where it was so dumb. Yeah. If there's anything our friend group can do consistently and it's always dumb arguments is argue about stupid things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forever <laughs> and we were arguing about which chocolate is best <laughs> like that's 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 so silly yeah. who really cares it's chocolate it's sweet like get over it i like dark chocolate and they were talking about how they liked milk chocolate and they thought it was better and like we kept doubling down about it and like we just, it like it was it was weird because it got to the point where like every time we saw each other over the course of like a few weeks, we would bring up the same conversation again and like yeah. argue about it more. And and I'm sitting here thinking about like how I'm talking about how I need to be like I'm trying to tell people to be like you know let people like what they want to like and don't criticize them for it. And then I'm also sitting here doing this dumb like bit of like no dark chocolate is objectively better than milk chocolate you're wrong (laughs) and it's just like that just seems kind of like now that i really think about it it's kind of like poor taste it's Mm. kind of hypocritical to like do that yeah and even when it is just a joke like at the same time it it, it, it's hard when you have such a strong opinion on something too and like especially when it's something that means a lot to you i'm not saying necessarily dark dark chocolate means a lot <laughs> well no that's that's yeah. the whole point is yeah. like it's a stupid little yeah. like it's a bit it's yeah. not actually a thing like yeah. i don't really care yeah i mostly just do it to like piss them off yeah <laughs> but like it's like when it comes to movies and stuff like especially like i've had a hard time with like star wars and things with you know there's a lot people of get really heated really heated like a lot of people and i agree with it like some of the worst fans are star wars fans mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, and I always like to say that those type of fans aren't really fans, you know, because they're yeah. very toxic in it. But anything, anyway, it's like I, 
I, I get de- really defensive because Star Wars is my favorite thing of all time. And so when people are like, oh, I don't like that yeah. or that's bad, why do you like it? I, 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 I don't think any of the yeah. listeners of this, of this show have any idea how you feel about Star Wars. <laughs> but, like, it, it, it's just tough when, you know, someone yeah gets that way. And, you know, it, like, this podcast has really helped me get better at that. Mm-hmm. And, like, like I said, like, it, it's not really... I don't feel like I'm truly being a hypocrite. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it is kind of just like this. If I'm doing this as a goof and it just like I keep doing it too much, when does it stop being a goof? Like, when does it kind of cross a line into more of like, I am kind of being a problem? Yeah. And so that was when I had to start to think about it and be like, you know, maybe I should just kind of like let it die. Like, (laughs) just give it up. Like, they can like milk chocolate. I can like dark chocolate. You can like Star Wars episode all of them, and I can like Star Wars episode two. Like, <laughs> and you can, who really cares? And you can have a lead in your top ten, and it's not mine. You and know? it's like, not <laughs> maybe not even your top hundred. Yeah, uh, you probably have like top five hundred movies. I don't even. I'd know. have to really think about it, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, it's like I really enjoy this movie, mm-hmm. and again, like we always try to talk about movies we enjoy. Yeah. I, I said I didn't really talk about too much more, but I think kind of as a conclusion, it's fair. But, like, with the sort of, like, the first recording, mm-hmm. that was kind of rough. Like, I'm so much more happy with this one. Oh, yeah. Like, like I said, it was just kind of a weird off day. We got hung up on stuff. And, and it just, like, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was off. It was, and, and this felt... It felt good. It, it felt normal. Yeah. Like It felt like our normal good conversations that we have just even off the podcast, you know? Like, we we recorded Indiana Jones in between this this one and the first, the original recording, yeah. and when we did that one, I was a little worried to start, yeah. and then we got into it, and I was just like, ah, no, we're good. Yeah. We're it, fine. It was yeah. just a weird day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, it's possible we may have other weird days or whatever, yeah. you know, but like... Who knows? It... it it, it's just one of those things that we want to just stick with our positivity and yeah. constructive criticism. Is, and you know. since it was the first time it happened, I don't know. I just, I don't see the real point in like trying to hide that it happened yeah. necessarily. It was just like, oh, you know, sometimes things just don't really work out. That's yep. life. Like, and that's, the that's thing- something that I appreciate when creators do that I see. It's like, oh, yeah. I had this thing happen. Or, like, I tried this and it didn't work. Or, like, I'm redoing this because of these reasons. And I'm happy we redid an episode on the Lita. We didn't just say, oh, you know what, we're just scrapping that and doing a different movie. Yeah, or something. like I was yeah, saying, yeah. that's it. I really care about this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been I would have been upset if we had just been like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, we're just mm-hmm. going to move on. We're going to do different stuff. Like, I, th- I was thinking for a while, like, maybe we could circle back later. Yeah. But I, I didn't want to wait like I said, we do have one other episode that we sort of lost because the recording was whack. And I do think at some point I would like to come back and do that one. Mm-hmm. But that one was just like, it was an interesting movie that we hadn't seen before. And this one was like, no, this is this is one that's really important to me. And yeah, so I sure. really want to talk about it. And I think it would be more awkward to do again in the future. Mm-hmm. And like just, like again, kind of pretend it never happened. Yeah. I don't know. That just felt weird to me. Yep. And and I want to. I always want to be honest. I always want to be upfront. Like I don't see any reason to like try to lie or mislead anyone that's no. listening. That's and like, I'm re- there's no I'm, advantage to it. There's no point. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad we did it because, like you said, this felt good and this felt back to yeah back. To and I'm I'm so yeah. I, I'm so glad I got to talk about all the things I actually like about the movie yep. instead of like waffling on about like weird problems that <laughs> weren't really problems. Now that I think about yeah. it. like it was I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. Always, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. It, it, it means the world to us. You can find us on Anchor, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And as always, watch what you love and love what you watch. watch.